This film features three D words. Dominance, dynamics, and most importantly, DILFs. Actually, the last one is not relevant to what I'm going to discuss today, even though Al Pacino and Marlon Brando are at their peak of DILFism. Anyway, that is not relevant. Well, the D part of DILFs is relevant. Dads. Anyway, back on topic. It's only been the first minute of this podcast, and I'm already going off on a tangent. I think that The Godfather is Francis Ford Coppola's best film by far. Not because of Al Pacino, I promise I did watch it for the plot, not just for him. It it really is one of my favorite films. Kind of a coincidence that in this episode I'm talking about the themes of family dynamics and Francis Coppola is the father of Sofia Coppola, and in the previous episode I talked about her film The Virgin Suicides. Also, in that episode, I did say that we're gonna talk about Mulholland Drive in this episode, but I lied, I changed my mind, we'll talk about it another time. The Coppola family tree dominates the film industry. They're like one of the royal families of this industry. It kind of reminds me of the Soprano family tree, the Roy family from Succession, the Royal Tenenbaums, the Adams family, etc. Oh my god, I, I just remembered that once in a letterbox review of the Adams family, I said, the Adams family are just the Sopranos if they listen to the cure. Anyway, that was completely off topic, but I have just listed some other royal families who are in rather unconventional professions, but have conventional applicable dynamics. And the examples that I listed would make great subjects in my discussion about family dynamics and patriarchy and all that jazz, but today we're just here to focus on The Godfather. Before I elaborate on the following topics, The Godfather, it's about the Corleone family and their mafia family. And the patriarch of the family, the head of the family, Don Vito Corleone, he leaves his empire in the hands of his youngest son, Michael. The title Don is an honorific that is derived from the Latin word Dominus, meaning master or owner. This title is predominantly reserved for dynasties where there is a head of the family patriarch. If we take a look at the word Dominus again, the prefix Dom, what do we think of when we hear that? Dominance. This is completely related to the concept of patriarchy. The Godfather is literally the Mafia version of Succession. Oh my god, wait. It's also the 1940s version of The Sopranos. Holy shit, I might be onto something. Anyway, moving on from my great epiphany. The Godfather is described as being the first gangster film to portray gangsters as people, as opposed to being cartoons or caricatures. It looks a lot deeper into their family dynamics and conflicts with one another. This is quite ironic because when I talked about the Virgin Suicides in the previous episode and The Great Gatsby in the episode before that, we discussed dehumanization. The Godfather is the complete opposite because it's humanizing people who have not been seen as three-dimensional people in the history of media. Yep. 
Before the Sopranos, there was the Corleones. In a way, this makes them relatable. Although it is a mafia setting which is most definitely not relatable. I mean, I have always dreamed of being a cool mafia wife like Carmela Soprano or Elvira Hancock in Scarface or Ginger McKenna in Casino. God. Al Pacino and Robert De Niro play great gangsters. It's probably the Italiano. Back to what I was saying, it may not be relatable to us, but the tensions that occur within the Corleone family are very relatable to a lot of family settings. Let's talk about how mafia family organizations work. They have a structured hierarchy. At the top of the hierarchy is the older patriarch. Vito Corleone in this instance is head of the family. This explains patriarchy in a family setting, but in a very dramatized way. Vito Corleone is a symbol of patriarchy. And the main male characters in this film are constantly at war for dominance over each other. They are also asserting male dominance over the woman in their lives. This shows that masculinity and patriarchy is something that is so incredibly competitive. Vito being the godfather is very symbolic. I did my research and found out what the terms godfather and godmother mean in terms of Catholicism. Of course, these terms are familiar to me because since my mum's side of the family is mostly Catholic, I have a godmother and I was baptized as a child. I don't really think it worked though. So, a godfather or a godmother is a person who witnesses a child's christening and follows their upbringing and is there to take legal guardianship of the child if something happens to their parents. In some cases, they're like a spiritual guide. He's figuratively the spiritual guide or guardian angel for Michael. Vito invokes this role by equipping Michael with the fruits of knowledge in the patriarchy department. And this further shows us that patriarchy within family settings is a hereditary thing. It is an ongoing chain. It gets passed down from one patriarch to the next generation. Clearly, it's a very difficult chain to break, and that's because it gets inherited, and then after that, it gets spread. And then inherited, and then spread, and then inherited. It's an ongoing cycle. The extreme authority that Vito possesses can be described as being almost godlike, and the less significant members of his dynasty, those at the bottom of the family hierarchy, they're merely pawns on the chessboard, and he's the king. I am not going to get too deep into how the women in the film are treated by the men, because I think that I've covered that enough in the previous episodes, but... The physical domination of the males in the film over the women in their lives gives us an idea of what masculinity is perceived as from a very male and patriarchal lens. Going back to what I said earlier, masculinity and patriarchy is a competitive thing. And through the Corleone family, it is portrayed so well and shows us how detrimental it can be on people's lives when this need for power and dominance becomes an obsession. It's a very harmful and toxic thing because it is teaching young men that power and dominance are the most important things in life and that if you don't obtain those things, 
you're less valid. This is the foundation for toxic masculinity, which is also a very obvious theme in this film. A moral dilemma that has been debated a lot is whether you should, one, beat your competition, two, eliminate your competition, or three, avoid your competition. The answer to this, it's quite a grey area. And if we're to look at it within the context of the film, it's also quite difficult to determine what option is the best because the idea of competitiveness is portrayed so brutally that the male characters in the film seem to wear their aggressive male dominance as a badge of honour. I guess you could say that the film shows that competing is important, therefore beating your competition as opposed to removing your competition or avoiding it is valued, especially among the Corleone family. Of course, portraying competitivity and the need for dominance in a positive way isn't a terrible thing to show because competitive family dynamics can be great. My experience with my own family is probably not the most intense example, but my family and I are so competitive with each other. We love to prove each other wrong, we love to beat each other at things. All this stuff is very light-hearted and playful, but I'm going to speculate a similar situation to the concept of the Godfather. Let's say my dad is deciding on which of his possessions and assets will go to either myself or my brother. He knows that his art collection, music memorabilia, rare history books, and music biographies are going to go to me. He knows that all his, like, outdoorsy stuff is going to go to my brother, and I just know that my brother and I are going to fight over who gets to keep his houses, cars, and money. This will result in extreme competitiveness, and we will be fighting to be above each other on the family hierarchy. Now that I think about it, Hierarchical family dynamics and this whole dog-eat-dog need for dominance are all apparent in my family already. Since we're all so competitive, we're constantly trying to prove we know better or can do things better. Seeing the relationship that Vito has with Michael, I also see it in my extremely competitive father and brother. The principles that my dad bestows onto my brother are centered around the fact, kind of like the same values as the Corleones. It's the fact that you have to be competitive and always strive to be at the top, and that that's the most important thing. And my granddad did the same thing with my dad, because his dad did the same thing with him, and I am aware of more than three generations of patriarchs in my family are like this. This real-life personal anecdote proves that the Corleone family's idea of hereditary masculinity can still exist among your typical, normal, modern family. Like Michael Corleone, I noticed that that is what instilled extreme competitiveness in my brother and a mentality that losing or showing any form of weakness or vulnerability strips him of his masculinity. And for me, growing up with that, I learned to live alongside it. I had to be very thick-skinned in order to mentally survive being in a family that values male dominance. 
This is definitely something that members of the Corleone family would have to adapt to as well. And as those mindsets of a hunger for extreme patriarchal power grows on them, they adopt these values. Another aspect of this film also being relevant to the broader idea of competitiveness is nepotism. I see the practice of nepotism come up a lot in almost every situation under the sun. It is so common. This term sounds like some sort of disease or mental disorder, but it's actually the unfairly preferential treatment to someone, usually not in all cases at the expense of the other parties involved. Closer to the start of this episode, I talked about how the Coppola family are one of the quote-unquote royal families of the industry, the film industry. Initially, I thought that Francis Coppola's decision for Sofia Coppola to play Mary Corleone in the third Godfather film was nepotism, and it is in some way, but really... She only had to step in at the last minute because Winona Ryder, who was originally meant to play the role, had a breakdown caused by nervous exhaustion. I know it's not really nepotism because she had to step in place of Winona, but I mean, come on. Surely there would be some actress out there who could have done it better because I don't know how to put this lightly, but oh god, her acting was... Um, yeah, just no. Shit. Horrible. Sorry, Sophia. I love you. You're such a talented director, but please stay behind the camera instead. Media reports have claimed that the success of Sophia, like a lot of people belonging to the royal families of the entertainment industry, is a product of nepotism due to her father. I'm not going to state whether I agree with that or not, but according to an article from The Atlantic, in large part because of her disparaged teenage performance in her father Francis Ford's The Godfather Part 3, Sofia Coppola has long been held up as the personification of Hollywood nepotism. Accusations of unworthiness dogged her for so much of her early directorial career. Yikes. They did take quite the dig at her. Okay, fine. I'll admit it. I agree. To an extent. The acting part is true. I can name plenty of capable and attainable actresses who would have kicked ass at Mary Corleone. The directing part? I'm not going to be biased and say that it's not true because I like her films, but... Like a lot of celebrity children, she obviously had a head start at success. She obviously had lots of connections through her father, and it would be extremely naive to say that this didn't aid her in her growing her career, because if you compare that to someone else who didn't have celebrity connections, and parents who are already big names in the industry, would they be as successful and find it as easy to start their career? Think about that. Yep, that's nepotism. Once again, like lots of children of celebrities, she didn't need to start at the bottom and work her way up. She was already there. But she can't help it, can she? All she can do is enjoy all the perks that come with being a nepo baby. I hope she's eating that shit right up. 
even I've noticed in my life that nepotism in performing arts is very common. A lot of times that I've done acting, there is so much nepotism. It's crazy. That was just an additional piece of input because, you know, I like to do that. I think you should have learned that by now. So let's get back to nepotism in The Godfather. An article that I saw said that in families like the Corleones that are such big name families and the ones that are considered quote unquote dynasties, the main qualification and outcome of being in a family like this is, well, your last name which is given, not earned. Look at that. This is the roots, the core, the very bare bones of nepotism. It is given, not earned. Vito Corleone expresses nepotistic behavior among his three sons. First of all, there's Sonny Corleone, the oldest. He's next in line to become boss, next in the bloodline. Like his father, he has an obsession with power and dominance. If I were to compare the two, Vito's status and success is a result of his persistence and hard work. He learned how to get himself to the top of the food chain the hard way. As I said before about the whole working your way from the bottom to get to the top, that's what he did. And the events leading up to his life as a mafia boss were very rough. He was not wealthy. He had to acquire his assets through his own hard work. Whereas Sonny, he, he didn't have to work his way up from the bottom. He was already at the top. He was protected by this wall of preconceived protection and guarantee that he'd get things handed to him. All the perks of being a member of the Corleone family, they got spoon-fed to him. He did not have to work for any of it. Then there's Vito's second oldest son, Fredo. He is considered to be the weakest out of the three sons. His portrayal epitomizes negative effects of, as I talked about earlier, hereditary masculinity. Uh, spoiler alert. Well, I surely hope you've seen this film anyway, because if you call yourself a cinephile and are listening to these podcasts and have gotten this far through the episode, what are you even doing here if you haven't seen The Godfather? When it's time for someone to succeed Vito, Sonny is already gone, making Fredo next in line. However, his weakness in comparison to the other sons means that he is not considered fit to run a mafia organization. Once again, the idea of patriarchy is revealing itself. Fredo possesses stereotypical middle child traits because he's kind of like the black sheep. He shows a sensitive side that the others don't. He's the least obsessed with obtaining patriarchal power. It's really interesting because while these two sons are on complete opposite ends of the spectrum, both of their mistakes throughout the film are the outcome of a lack of appreciation for the benefits that come with their status. Now let's talk about Michael. As I've said already, Michael has adopted a lot of Vito's core traits. He's the one who Vito leaves the succession of the organization in the hands of, and he's the one who descends the most deep into the family, quote-unquote, business. Even though it's not said directly, he is clearly favored by Vito. 
And the favoritism so obviously influenced his decision for choosing Michael to leave his empire with. That reminds me, there was this meme I saw on Facebook and it was like, Vito Corleone, I don't have a favorite son. Also Vito Corleone. And then it had a picture of a wall with a bunch of photos of Michael on it. That is nepotism in a nutshell. Before I sign off, I'd like to talk about an observation I made about the three Corleone brothers, and it's that each of them possess typical birth order traits. The traits of a person depending on birth order were established by psychologist Dr. Kevin Lemon, 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 Dr. Kevin Lemon or Lemon, Lemon? I don't know. I'm going to try to keep this very brief. First of all, Sonny displays typical traits of being the firstborn. He is ambitious, likes to be in control, he's an achiever, he has high expectations and fears failure. I'm also the firstborn, so I think that this makes sense. Now on to Fredo, the sufferer and epitome of middle child syndrome. He feels excluded and neglected in comparison to his brothers, and he's quite needy. Lastly, Michael, as the youngest, he's independent, ruthless, rebellious, secretive, and very competitive. The three Corleone brothers are great examples of the dynamics between siblings, and this reflects on how the parents, Vito in this case, treat them and make decisions concerning them. This example is just one of many reasons why The Godfather is a classic portrayal of family dynamics. To summarize what I've covered in this episode, I hope that I made you think. Maybe you've learned something new about tension within a family setting in a literal, more intimate way. Because in the second episode of this series, I talked about the Oedipus Complex in Blue Velvet, and I did talk about how that film did it metaphorically and in quite a detached way. So I think that this episode is quite a nice change, because we managed to dissect the structure of patriarchy and the need for dominance, and we look at a group of people in a scenario that has always been portrayed in the media as one-dimensional. And now we're seeing them as people who have tension and conflict within their household and that it can be analyzed and studied in depth and applicable to us so we can know why these relationships are the way they are. Well, my pretentious cinephile audience, it's been fun and I'd like to introduce what the next episode is going to be, but I haven't planned it yet, so it's going to be a surprise. I'll catch you then. Ciao.